Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. UX Cake is all about developing the layers you need to be more effective in your work and to be happy and fulfilled in your career. I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo, and I'm a UX leader and leadership coach. Hello, and welcome to the UX Cake podcast, episode 46. Today, we're talking about transitions in research with Eniola Abioye, who's a senior user researcher at Meta. And we're talking specifically about transitioning into user-focused or design research from research-related backgrounds in other disciplines. Eniola herself came from biotechnology before moving into the design research space, and she's passionate about helping others figure out how to utilize their existing experience and to learn through doing, getting relevant experience in the real world to create a fulfilling career in UX without necessarily going back to school. Eniola began her people research career at Branding Science, an agency in the biotech space, and she later moved on to research roles at Kaiser Permanente and Silicon Valley Bank in the user research area before her current role leading research in cross-functional teams at Meta. Outside her full-time position, Eniola is a career coach for UX researchers and she leads UX projects with social justice organizations in her community. She's excited to share how user researchers are uniquely positioned to drive inclusive and accessible innovation in tech. So let's jump in. Awesome. Eniola, hello. Thank you so much for joining me on UX Cake. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and talk to you today. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to talk to you. We have a lot of similar passions, not only UX and, and UX research, but also coaching and, you know, getting people the support that they need and it can be hard to find. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of jump into these topics with you. Now, normally I don't usually start the UX Cake podcast interviews with origin story questions. We kind of like jump into the topic. So, um, but today our topic is all about transitions and um, transitions in research careers specifically. So um, I, I think your transition into UX from biology is really kind of a key to this interview. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to go ahead and start there. Um, can you just, okay. let's start with, tell us a little bit about your journey from, uh, from biology into yeah. UX research. Yeah. So I am, um, like you said, I have my bachelor's in integrative biology from UC Berkeley. And I, you know, grew, the whole time growing up, I planned to go into medicine, pediatrics to be specific, um, because I really liked people. And I was also really into science, right? So bio was really my jam in high school. Chem was my jam. Um, and so I figured, you know, at the intersection of science and people, is medicine. 
Um, <laughs> really original. Yeah, it makes sense. Really, <laughs> it made sense <laughs> to me at the time. Um, and then I got to college and freshman year decided um, to like learn more about what doctors do and realized really quickly that that's not what I want to do. Um, and so kind of throughout school, I like was a little bit more open around um, career choices, but had no idea about UX. I think mm-hmm. back when I was in school, less people were in UX and less companies were interested in UX research specifically. Um, and I really got my start as um, my first job outside of school was at a, um, a biotech market research and user research firm. So I was agency side and I feel like that taught me a lot of things and that's a whole different conversation, but um, <laughs> I really got a chance to, in the biotech space, kind of understand um, what users and caregivers and doctors and patients were um, going through in a, tons of different therapy areas. And it just clicked for me because I had the sciencey part of understanding therapy areas and drug mechanisms. And also I got to talk to people all day and I got to really understand um, what users needed and then drive that change in the, the companies that we were working with. So it just really clicked for me as kind of being able to be an advocate for users and the like solve problems and like figure out systems and figure out how to build experiences that people responded to. Yeah. So it sounds like a very organic sort of entry into UX, Um, which isn't that uncommon, quite frankly. But um, I mean, what year was that? This was back in 2015. Okay. Um, And so UX was, was, you know, definitely around. Um, uh, I'm I'm super interested in, there was this period of time when you like how did that go from school into mm-hmm. the work environment and like did you know you were going to be <laughs> working in UX research or you know what what did you think you were going to be doing so I knew what I, w- I had a good idea of what I was going to be doing I knew I was um, going to be um, talking to folks and understanding different methodologies and how to get answers. Um, I don't think anyone knows fully on their first job outside of college what they're going to be doing. Um, sure. But I was really, really interested in kind of like the points that I knew. Um, and then starting out, I like really started out by listening to a lot of folks um, run research, right? And being my kind of first role was really just like doing synthesis and um, analysis during interviews and got to see how people like led conversations. And I'm very much so an extrovert. I'm very much so a people person. So I was like, I can do that. (laughs) And I can ask questions in ways that remove bias. And I can understand what people are talking about and really hold space for them to talk to me about personal things. And so it really just clicked and I like kept getting deeper and deeper. I still remember the first time I started moderating, um, the first time I did research out of the country. um, And yeah, it just, it just clicked for me. So I tell people who are interested in UXR kind of understand what it is and, and what you want to do. And I think there's so much room in UX for like every type of skill set. Right. You can go writing, you can go content strategy, you can go um, design, obviously, you can go research. And so there's just a lot to, to figure out. And so me for me, getting exposure in the agency space was awesome because I did quantitative, I did qualitative, I did so many different methods, um, so many different types of research questions because I was working with different companies. Um, so that was just really awesome. 
Yeah, and the uh, speaking specifically about methodology. So, um, besides the sort of industry knowledge that you had from um, school, um, you know, specific to that subject, what was it um, that prepared? You know, what sort of things that you studied had prepared you for research, but you know, maybe in a different way. Yeah, so I, um, in during my integrated biology degree, had done a lot of research, right? So the rigor around right. kind of how to set up a research plan, how to, you know, share your findings, how to set up your hypothesis, how to collaborate with others um, who played a different role um, in the space is all things that I take, I took to UX research and still use now. Um, and so when people are kind of coming from um, you know, STEMI degrees or masters or PhDs, you know, I talked to them about how the rigor that you learn around research is very, very similar and can absolutely be applied into, you know, how you approach your research questions and how you carry out research. Um, I think one of the key differences between research in an academic space versus research in industry is, of course, resources. <laughs> I was very, very scrappy as a student um, um, trying to get research done and um, depending on where you are in the industry or what type of company you're at, that's not necessarily always an issue. Um, timelines are very different, right? I feel like I had a lot more time and a lot more space to kind of figure things out in academic research. Um, mm -hmm. That's not always the case on the industry mm -hmm. side. Um, <laughs> your stakeholders are very different, right? So um, people um, in academia, you know, at least the academic research that I was doing, was around kind of, um, you know, learning for the sake of learning and contributing to the space rather than, okay, this is driving a product and this is driving our very real um, goals and OKRs for the year. Yeah, um, that is a big, <laughs> I, quite frankly, I think even if you had um, gotten your education in user research, that would have, <laughs> been a big difference because yeah. um, this certainly is a gap in um, what I see in, you know, folks entering into UX research and, um, you know, their love of research and their love of sharing this research. Um, and sometimes it's received also in that way by the stakeholders, but, but often, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a sales job you have to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think no matter what type of company you're at, there's always going to be an education piece, right? You can be at a company who's in the UX space, um, who like, you know, creates products around UX specifically and still have to work with your stakeholders and kind of prove the ROI of research and kind of bring people along. Um, that just comes alongside with it because you're specializing in, um, you know, a skill set that not everybody is taught. Yeah, for sure. I know, um, you, know, some people think of, um, sort of like professionals transitioning into UX from other industries, um, and other disciplines is, you know, kind of a recent thing, but honestly, it's been happening since, um, since before the beginning of the term UX, I think around, mm -hmm. you know, like the beginning of the century, um, this century, 2000, but, um, <laughs> Sounds like a really long time ago. I guess it is, but you know, 22 years. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I've had a very unconventional path myself. I went to film school and um, design for me originally was a way to put myself through school. So, um, Mm. and then, you know, research happened very organically for me as well through the last couple of decades. But um, I, but I think what uh, has really been kind of a sea change in this last decade Um, besides the fact that we're getting a lot more programs at schools in undergrad and graduate schools, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic, um, has been this emergence and really proliferation of certificate programs and um, everywhere and now online, everything's online. So I think you might have some thoughts about boot camp. You talk a little bit about it on your website. So yeah, great. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you know, it's been really good to see um, more of like, um, like organized learning around UX and just um, more accessible kind of avenues to understand what UX is like as a skill set. And so many people do UX already. You know, I, I am a coach and I coach UX researchers and I tell lots of my clients, um, you know, kind of like understanding what you're doing already and how that relates to UX and the methodologies that you might call something else, um, but you do anyways. Um, it's super important to translate and let companies know that that's something that is part of your experience. Um, I know a lot of people who, you know, they're in program manager positions or um, data scientist positions, right? And so many clients tell me, you know, I do the UX stuff (laughs) because no one else can or because I'm the closest to it um, or because it needs to get done and (laughs) no one else is doing it. So it's just super important to capture that. I think as far as learning, I've seen tons and tons of different programs. I've also seen tons and tons of resources um, out, you know, on the interwebs that are super free um, or super accessible. And I am just a proponent of um, education being as accessible as possible, right? So boot camps are, um, they serve a very specific purpose. I think boot camps are great for um, you know, kind of bring awareness or like exposing you to a new field, but inherently the, with the business model of a lot of boot camps, it's very inaccessible, right? Mm-hmm. I remember, um, helping clients and looking through boot camps and seeing just like huge, huge prices. And one of the biggest things for UX research is, and a lot of positions or a lot of different, um, skill sets is, um, that piece of pivoting into your first role is probably yeah. the most difficult. Right. And so I've seen a lot of boot camps who don't help with that piece. And so people go yeah. through it and then find themselves, you know, six months, a year later, still trying to figure out how to get into this field um, and land a job that allows them to do that in, in industry. Um, and so that's just kind of my biggest caution around boot camps is one to make sure that you know, that job support or that career coaching piece that's often the most difficult for people is a part of it. Um, I've seen boot camps who have kind of like the guarantee of the full-time job within a certain amount of time after the boot camp and still cautioning to make sure that you, you know, read that fine print and understand what that support is going to look like. Um, because it is a skill set, like being able to communicate what you can do and, and how you can add value to an organization through interview is, is a skill set and not everybody focuses on that piece. Um, I've also seen a lot of boot camps that are kind of UX general and they focus a lot on design and then have just a little bit on research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the people who have explored those different career options in UX and you know research is for you, then looking for something very, very targeted because I haven't seen a lot of them. 
right. that are research specific. Yeah, and um, I know a lot of folks in research end up going into getting a master's when they're like coming from a professional who's coming from another space, even if it's a designer. Like you, t- you mentioned at the very beginning, you know, the rigor around research is something that <laughs> you, you cannot get to all the methodology and the rigor and the, and the need for, you know, how do you present research? You can't get to all of that um, really deeply in a six week immersion or, yeah. you know, even if it's uh, over a few months, but you have, you take a couple classes in, yeah. <laughs> in research. So yeah. um, I'm glad you pointed that out. I would love to hear more about the alternatives that you offer personally as a coach. Um, sure. And I, I think what I'm hearing actually is it's not just alternatives, but you're, it sometimes is in addition to, um, but yeah, tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of how you have seen people transit, make this transition, maybe without boot camps, or mm-hmm. um, how oh, yeah. you have supported people in that way. Yeah. So I am coach specifically UX researchers some at different points in their, in their career journey. A lot of times I'm coaching people who have done research or have um, been research adjacent or have like done a lot of like, you know, program or kind of product management and inherently have to do research. And so focusing on pivoting into a full-time UX research role. Um, And so I always tell people just based on your learning style, you can kind of craft your approach there. Um, If you are like really um, organized and can go out and find information online and and put it all together and kind of create a syllabus and a learning plan for yourself, then by all means, like I think you can achieve what a boot camp would do uh, for free, right? If you're willing and have the time and you have the kind of like mental capacity to do it on your own, um, I absolutely advise people to, to exhaust all of the free resources online. Um, I work specifically with people who respond well to one-on-one coaching. I myself respond really well to one-on-one coaching because there are mm-hmm. always 17 things going on <laughs> in mm-hmm. my life. And so it helps to have someone who's kind of like anchoring in, okay, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do this week. Here's your homework. And, th- and then we'll meet again. And, um, and kind of like that consistency and that like partner and walking through it and, and creating goals. And so that's what I do for with my clients is we, I understand what they're looking to do. Um, we craft goals and we, um, craft a plan in order to get there together. And, um, and my timeline is usually pretty rapid. It's usually within two to three months as I see folks who want kind of short-term goals as well as long-term, um, but focusing on getting, you know, in just a few weeks, kind of getting results, whether that's, um, hey, I want to revamp my resume and portfolio and be ready to go into, uh, you know, applying for jobs and interviewing, or, um, hey, I'm a current UX researcher and I'd like to level up in my position. Um, can you kind of help me understand how strategically I can grow and, and make a plan for where I want to be in the next few months or so? Yeah, um, I think probably your model is uh, going to work so much be- better for a lot of folks do you find that when you work with people, are they um, pretty set in what their goals are? Do they know what they want to do? Or are you helping folks identify even what their goals might be? 
Yeah. So I, before working with a client, I always do a 15 minute, just like consultation. And those are free on my website. Um, because a lot of times people come to me and they're like, okay, is this even possible? Like what really is UX? Is this something that I can do or, or transition into? And so we talk through their, um, their background kind of why UX and why now and determine if it's a good fit to work together. Um, a lot of times people don't come to me and don't have portfolios, right. But they have a bunch of like projects in mind that they've done and notes and things like that, that we turn into a portfolio. Um, and so I'd say for the most part, um, when uh, like my ideal client or when people should come to me, I guess, if they're interested is um, if you know UX research is what you wanna do, right? Some people come to me and they're like, oh, well, I think design or research or somewhere in between. Um, and I get that because there's so many different career paths within UX and it's all really, interconnected. Um, but I usually kind of ask that people figure out <laughs> the UX research uh -huh. for sure what they want to do first. And then, yeah, and then we kind of go from there if their timeline and, and their background kind of fits as far as like something that um, it makes sense to kind of transition. Um, there are people who come to me and they, um, I recommend more education. And so I have packages that are, I have a package called Skip the Bootcamp. <laughs> and it's around mm -hmm. kind of one-on-one um, -on -one coaching and guiding through curriculum development, case study development. Um, and by the end of that, folks have worked through two case studies and kind of have um, things to put into their portfolio. We also do a resume revamp and then a plan for next steps, whether that's education, whether that's piloting some UX research projects and working with um, a company um, under my supervision or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. the, the beauty of doing one-on-one -on -one is kind of like everything is tailored um, and right. everything can be kind of negotiated because it's their, it's their coaching. Um, and if I can't right. support and if I'm not the best person, then I refer them over to, to someone who's more so into design or more so into product. Mm -hmm. I want to get to that piece that you brought up, you know, working, um, on a project with an actual company. That's mm -hmm. something super excited. I can't wait to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about portfolios. So you and I, mm -hmm. in our you know, earlier chats, I think we both <laughs> uh, have seen the difficulty that so many people have with research portfolios. And, and quite frankly, they can be challenging. They yeah. are challenging. It's yeah. hard to tell a story, just like people we were sort of talking about, it's hard to tell a story in a presentation. Mm -hmm. And that can take, you know, a lot of experience, but, but it, it takes a lot of kind of learning to figure out how to tell a story yeah. from research. And similarly, now lay over that, like, how do you tell a story about the research that you've done for companies? So mm -hmm. yeah, tell me about your approach to research portfolios. Yeah, um, I think for a lot of people, including myself, it's really hard to look at a blank page or a blank slide and like think about from zero to 100, how am I going to build this portfolio? How am I, I'm not a design person, <laughs> very, very much so I'm not a design person. And so it's hard for me to like, kind of like visualize what I want it to look like and then how to get there from zero. Um, so one of the things that I do with clients is we start together and we outline um, portfolios together because it's much easier for people to kind of um, respond to me asking them, well, tell me about this project, right? Like, mm -hmm. don't focus on the story yet. Don't focus on making it pretty yet. Tell me about what you did, why you did it. Um, and then framing that into the story that you were tell, that you will tell, mm -hmm. right? I wasn't there, so I don't have the context you have, but as a person who is similar to your audience, 
I, there are things that you kind of assume that you don't have to say that I'm like, Hey, I don't, this doesn't click. I don't understand. Um, so that's been really, really helpful for people like getting on a session just like this and, um, and, um, building it together, starting it out together. When it comes to portfolios, I've seen a lot, <laughs> my own, um, I've interviewed tons of researchers and done their portfolio review and, and coached a lot of people through building their portfolios. And so there are things that stick out to me. Um, and I wrote a piece recently on kind of what a strong per- portfolio can look like, right. Or it looks like in my experience. Um, mm. and I think, um, some of the key things are around, um, like when you're building this portfolio, when you're telling your story, really understanding that you're one showing the company, what it would be like for you to give a research readout, um, if you join the company. And so kind of the details that you talk to and the story that you craft is like a preview. Right. Um, and then two, yeah. talking through the strategy that with which you approach questions. Right. So when you have this question, kind of where do you start? Right. So taking a step back before you get into like the sample and the, you know, this is the method that I use and things like that. Like, where did you start? Right. When you first got the question or when you first were, were with the team, whether you're embedded or consulting with someone, um, what is the what is your first step when you receive a research question? Um, is that secondary research? Is it you know meeting with the data team? Is it um, meeting with the with the pod that you're embedded in or the product team and understanding kind of what um, has been done around it or gaining more context? Um, and so I really like to see that in portfolios. Um, I also really like to see um, some reflection on, okay, so you did this project, here's how it came out, right? No one is perfect. And anyone who claims to be a perfect researcher is lying. Um, So what would you do if you could go back, if you had more resources, or if you had less resources, if you had more or less time, kind of what would that look like? Because it shows that creativity of, oh, I know how to pivot, and I know how to shift, and I know where we're trying to go. And I am have a little bit of scrappiness to get us there, depending on what constraints change over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing, and, and I think you, you touched on this a little bit um, already, but I think it's, it's worth talking about the need to really focus on outcomes, not mm-hmm. output. Like that's something I've been really working with uh, my own team members for a long time, but you know, it's, it's, not just here's what I did, that's important. And here's my process. But um, what was the value (laughs) of the work that I did? Yeah. What's the impact that it made? Yeah. And that can be, you kind of have to get creative, especially when you're you're coming from agency side, or if, uh, you know, a lot of people will tell me, well, I can't build my portfolio because everything's private. And I work in a very, you know, regulated space and I can't just share all the stuff that I've done. Um, and that's not the focal point. Like, it really doesn't matter what the name of the product was. It doesn't matter um, kind of the exact numbers of, you know, percentages or what you changed or anything that's private, um, because the focal point is what is your research strategy and how does your research mind work? And how do you approach solving problems. Um, and so even if you made a case study and, and names were changed or um, you know you were a little bit vague about details about the specific product, that's fine, right? It's about the research plan and the strategy and the questions and um, how you worked with your stakeholders and things like that. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that does come up a lot. Of course, it's a uh slightly larger challenge for folks in design, yeah. but yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you really do need to see it. 
I think in, in research you can, uh, I mean, there are ways around that mm -hmm. as well, but, um, in research, um, like you said, you can, even when it comes to a presentation, you can speak to, or, you know, like talking about the presentations that you've made, how, how you do deliver mm -hmm. findings, like, how do you deliver findings? How do you, um, deliver recommendations? Yeah. Um, how do you know, you know, how do you, you know, how are you connecting yeah. the dots for, for your stakeholders to make it really easy for them to just take your findings mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. run with it, you know, exactly. and, uh, what kind of relationships are you building? Um, which again, that's more difficult with an agency mm -hmm. as well, but yeah. And I yeah. think when it comes to impact, um, something that I always like to see is understanding how, you know, when you have your insights and you've done your research, how do you work with your stakeholders and with the people you're collaborating with to understand um, what recommendations are actionable, right? So instead of me as a researcher coming back and saying, hey, they really don't like the UI of this site, we should make it more modern. Um, instead of like me as a researcher only coming from what I'm hearing, I need the perspective of the, of the PM and the perspective of the designer, perspective of the engineer to understand mm -hmm. what's feasible, one, and two, kind of like take the context that, that the team has and build out next steps and, uh, and recommendations that make sense and are actionable for the whole team. Out of curiosity, how long were you in the agency and... Um... Was that, uh, did you have any other steps between the agency to- Oh meta? yeah, oh, I've bounced around a lot. I've um, been in a few industries. I was at, I was agency side with the, um, in the biotech space for about a year and a half. And then I moved on to Kaiser and did a lot of qual and quant research um, specifically in healthcare. Um, and then I moved on to Silicon Valley Bank um, and I tried out FinTech for a while. And when I made that jump, people were like, how do you get from- biotech and medicine to working at a bank. <laughs> and to be honest, my dad still doesn't really know what I do. And so he's like, why do you work at a bank? Um, so, but for me, the connection was really like at the foundation, I got into UX research and I started out having really intimate conversations with people, right? And that really, um, it, it's kind of what I do already outside of um, work and outside of, you know, um, the professional sphere. And so it really clicked for me just being able to sit here and hold space um, for what people wanted to share, right? Because when people um, are in interviews, they don't just tell you about this product and like, it, it's not all neat and black and white and boxed in like that, you know, they're sharing um, real things about their life and about their um, story and how their product, how your product plays um, a part in that. Um, and so when moving on to Silicon Valley Bank and working specifically with founders who um, we were having conversations about money and about um, their business, right? Because everyone's really passionate about something that they start. Um, those were also very intimate conversations as well. And so I really enjoyed being able to um, talk to people at a level where, you know, you're having a conversation with a stranger about real things. Um, and so to kind of build trust with folks and understand what it is that they needed and then really advocate within the organization for yeah. what they expressed. Yeah. That is such a fantastic foundation for you to be teaching and coaching and, and, you know, helping others on their journey, which brings me to, uh, 
like wanting to find out more about um, this program that you mentioned where you work yeah. with, I'm probably not saying this right, but you, you're working with folks who are breaking into UX and research mm -hmm. and working with them, supporting them as a coach um, while they work on projects with startups, something like that. Yes. Okay. So I am super excited to talk about this because it is new. Um, but just for some context, I launched um, a coaching business. Um, it's specifically for UX researchers a couple years ago, and I am very excited to have kind of like branded it and it's grown. Um, and so um, the coaching business is called UX Out Loud. There are a few things that are offered within that. Um, like I mentioned before, there are a few packages of kind of helping folks either get exposure and kind of learn more about UX research or pivot directly into, you know, I have some, some background, I have some experience, I'm ready to kind of find a job and understand how I can like talk to these companies and, and interview and show off my skill set and things like that. Um, a gap that I saw in working with a lot of folks is, you know, they kind of have the background, they've done research, right, whether that be um, in academic, academic research or having to do UX as a part of a larger job and wearing multiple hats at a company, um, but really wanted more industry um, experience, right? So they're like, oh, okay, this would really build my confidence. And I also want to make sure that this is something I want to do um, and just really want that hands-on experience without mm -hmm. doing a bootcamp. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I built out a new package where UX researchers, you know, no matter what your level um, is or anyone who hasn't kind of been in a full UX research role um, can work with me. And I, I coach them through working with um, a company doing UX research for them. So um, at the, it's kind of meeting with like researchers who want more experience in industry and want more hands-on projects and then supporting early, early tech startups who, you know, don't necessarily have the budget to pay for um, sophisticated UX research um, just yet. So a tech company that's in, you know, the first five years or so. Um, and so really pairing them and kind of taking the, the questions, whether it's tactical, whether it's a little more exploratory um, from tech startups and pairing them with um, a researcher who can address those questions. Um, and then coaching that researcher through it. But all in all, it's kind of their project, it's their thing. And I'm just um, helping the research with, the, uh, you know, guidance and as, as they're carrying it out. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I think it meets um, two needs that I've seen, both on researchers wanting more hands-on experience and then also, you know, um, tech startups like should always do UX research, but I understand it's very expensive. Um, so kind of meeting the need there as well. And how do you find these <laughs> startups? So I, I actually, I know someone else who was trying to do something similar and um, there was a little bit of a, a difficulty in actually finding the startups and, and yeah. uh, getting the work in a way that was, you know, reliable and actually was going to be, you know, something that would be valuable for the researcher. So tell me a little bit about that side of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so everyone kind of knows a founder, <laughs> at least where I am. Yeah, and you're in the Bay Area, so for sure. I'm in Seattle, yes. and I gotta say it's the same. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people who have started small businesses or are are launching a startup or have started, and so I pilot with them, um, but we'll be opening up 
um, a form and kind of posting on socials and posting all over LinkedIn to understand, um, you know, kind of who's interested and what might work. And um, I'd love to give preference to, uh, you know, BIPOC business owners and, and, and founders and um, women-owned startups. Um, but I'm excited because I think the, the need is there. I don't think it's going to be too difficult to find people who want um, UX research for their startup um, for free um, because it's a need, mm-hmm. right? It's all it's always going to be there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see the types of, um, of startups that um, I'm able to pair students with. And the ideal setup is having a student who's like um, interested in a certain space or um, a part of tech or, you know, industry paired with uh, someone that they're like genuinely interested in. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited for you and I'm, I'm very excited to help um, spread the word. So thank you. Tell us a little bit about how people can find out more information about you and about what, um, you know, some of these great programs that you talked about. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can go to uxoutloud.com. Um, you can also reach out on LinkedIn. I, um, I love connecting with folks in the UX space. I um, It's just Eniel Abioye on my LinkedIn. Um, yeah, those are some pretty solid ways to get in touch with me. Um, on my website, I have my Calendly there as well on the contact me page. Um, and so folks who are interested in coaching or who have some questions can either email me right from the page or sign up for um, a 15 minute consultation. Awesome. And did you mention LinkedIn? Can people follow you and hear about your, um, you know, all your new offerings that way? Yeah. Yeah. I usually make sure to, to copy everything over to LinkedIn, which has become just like a digital <laughs> job fair. <laughs> um, so yes, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, UX Out Loud also has an Instagram page. And so there are a few ways to, to tap in. I'm not hard to get in contact with. That's fantastic. And I want to thank you so much. We covered everything, right? That we talked about because <laughs> you're doing so. a lot of stuff. So I want to make sure that it <laughs> covered it all. I think so. Awesome. It was really great. This was a lot of fun just talking through kind of um, the UX world with someone who's also in the world. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Yeah. This has been fun. Thank you so much. Hey, if you enjoyed this slice of UX cake, please rate it and subscribe. Tell others what you liked about it. It really helps us spread the word and get this free content to more people. You can follow UX Cake on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and get all the episodes and show notes at uxcake.co. Thank you for listening and sharing the UX Cake.